This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. And today we have another episode of Listener Mail for you. Yes, because our last episode of Listener Mail was such a success that some listeners wrote in about the mail we read Oh, the listener yes. mail episode. Yes. It was so great. And so many of you send such excellent stuff and we want to share it. Please keep that up. We love it so much. Absolutely. Oh, it is It is seriously like one of the very best parts of my day. Um, yes. Getting to and it's always surprising, right? I, like, <laughs> really I, I can't, I can never guess what wonderful thing I'm going to learn about or laugh at when I open a listener mail. Yes. Uh. Yes. And um, just an update. We are still in our closet studios and it is storming once again here in Atlanta. Yep. Yep. So um, so if y'all hear any um, thun- thundery sounds, um, it's it's not um, it's not super producer Andrew putting in uh, any kind of special effects. It is genuinely just the listener mail of doom. <laughs> yes, just some atmosphere. I love listener mail of doom. That's another idea <laughs> for some kind of superhero thing. I'll think about it. Um, also, I would not put it past super producer Andrew. To pull such hijinks. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. Yes. Now that you mention it, that <laughs> there might I, I have faith in y'all to figure out which ones um, were. <laughs> <laughs> 
real thunderclaps and fake. Yes. <laughs> yes, I believe that you can do it. Um, but okay, let's start. And we're going to start with a topic we did, I think, at the beginning of quarantine, because it was a comfort food episode. Right. M- milkshakes. Carly wrote, I was listening to your milkshakes episode, and your discussion on the thickness of milkshakes made me realize you don't have thick shakes in America. In Australia, we have both thick shakes and milkshakes, which are differentiated by their thickness and ice cream content. I also have a milkshake story. When my family goes to Brisbane slash the Sunshine Coast for the day, we will sometimes get a drink from a lint shop there. Well, one time my mom got a vanilla milkshake and that's in quotes, (laughs) that was apparently so strongly flavored it tasted like drinking straight melted white chocolate. Way too sweet and way too rich. My mom was so scarred by this that it was about 18 months (laughs) before she had another vanilla milkshake. Anytime milkshakes were mentioned afterwards, mom would bring up the terrible vanilla milkshake. We, of course, loved teasing her about it and would ask her if she wanted a vanilla milkshake. The story does have a happy ending, though, as my mom has since had another vanilla milkshake from the lint shop, and it was much nicer. She maintains that whoever made it had made a mistake and added way too much flavoring. My mom isn't actually a complainer, would never demand to see a manager or complain to an employee about a bad meal. However, within the family, she has a hard time forgetting a bad meal or dish (laughs) from a restaurant, much to our entertainment. Uh, You know, I'd be really interested for listeners from um, the North, to write in and maybe you have experience with this Lauren because I know there's like custard and bricks there are other things that I don't have a lot of experience with that might be the sort of thick shake that you're talking about um Um, I do I do not recall there being like a separate category for those in the north and maybe I mean I, I really only lived there when I was very young um but but I recall not being particularly surprised when I moved to the South. So, ooh, ooh that, y- y'all might have heard that one. That yeah. was fun. That must have <laughs> been some kind when of I, blasphemous statement. When I moved to the South, crack. <laughs> <laughs> she bought the thunder with her. Um, and I did want to share real quick. My mom, she, her, the funny thing, food thing with her is she always debates so much about what she's going to get when it, when we're allowed to go to restaurants again. I'm sure she'll she'll do it, but mm-hmm. she debates so much, and she's like, what are you getting? What are you getting? And then she contemplates, and she decides, and she's like, yes, I, I want this, this, this. And when the waiter asks what she wants, she always changes her mind at the last minute. <laughs> always. <laughs> to something random that wasn't even like— That wasn't even in the choice. contention? Oh, uh-huh. that's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> oh, heck. My my dad, uh, I, I think I've mentioned a couple times on the show before, um, was in the restaurant industry, and he was infamously bad about complaining about every meal that mm. he got. Like, like, not even like, like, hey, like, send this back, but like, hey, can you send out your head chef because I need to talk Ooh. to them about something. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have some notes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I was always like, Dad, can we just eat our ribs? Can we please just, oh my heck, like this. <laughs> um, I, I've come to a place where I find it endearing. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> 
honestly, at the time, I was always just kind of like the like the poor human would show up, and I would just like shrug, like twelve year old Lauren would be like, "Sorry about it, man. Like I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> I've tried for years." <laughs> oh, um, speaking of comfort foods, though, uh, we've got uh, one about pizza. Jess wrote. I recently discovered your podcast from an episode of Creature Feature, oh yay, and have been working my way through all your episodes in literally no order, so I may be a bit behind the times by responding to your pizza episode, but I had a funny pizza habit I wanted to share. I'm an Italian from New York, so pizza is sacred. Every family I knew had intense feelings about why their pizza place was the best. Same for bagels, but that's a different story. Every Friday night in my house was pizza night easily the best night of the week. My mom was on a diet at the time, so she'd always make herself a piece of chicken or fish while my brother, sister, dad, and I all ate our slices. But there was one treat she did allow herself, the crusts, our crusts. Whenever she saw that someone was getting close to finishing their slice, she'd give them a look, and they would hand over their crust to her for her little pizza morsel. She allowed herself the crust and not the pizza because the crust didn't have the cheese, toppings, etc., so it wasn't quite as bad for you. So to combat this and keep my crusts, I would always remove everything on top of the pizza, cheese, toppings, and all, rip my crust open down the middle, and stuff all the toppings inside. It worked pretty well because it gave flavor to the crust, but the toppingless pizza still had remnants of sauce, so it was still more flavorful than the regular old crust. I stopped doing this a while ago because anytime I ate pizza with someone new, the entire conversation turned into asking me just what the hell I was doing and why I was committing pizza sacrilege. But honestly, it was pretty delicious. I mean, you were pioneering stuffed crust. Uh. You were. (laughs) It does. It makes me laugh that it's sort of understood that at least in mid-range to cheap pizza, the crust is just not good and you won't eat it unless it's stuffed with something or dipped in butter. And then it's the best. Then it's a treat. Yeah. Exactly. But I I know I've said before on this show, my pizza sacrilege is I eat crust first because I liked having the last bit, saving my favorite part for last. And I feel like the best part of the pizza is like at the end near the top. The very, the very, <laughs> this is all very oh. confusing. At the triangle edge. Um, so yeah, people would always, it's true, people do feel very comfortable about asking you why you're eating your pizza the way that you're eating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and no matter what it is you're doing, I feel like, uh, if it is just vaguely different from what they're doing, they're like, hey, what's up with that? I need to, <laughs> I've got, I've got a few questions. How much time do you have? Yes, yes. <laughs> and they pull out goggles and a notebook yeah. if you're me, which I have actually done. Uh, but it was with our friend Ben Bolin, so I feel like that Oh, yeah, that was completely appropriate with Ben. Yes. Oh, speaking of Ben and pizza, this is a good segue <laughs> to our next topic, which is ranch. It is. Uh, okay, Annie, are you comfortable reading this one out loud? I'm a little nervous, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can take it if you want me to. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you should, Lauren. Maybe you should take it. Okay. All right. So, Zombie Gravy wrote, uh, from Instagram, I'm listening to your ranch episode right now, and the controversy is real. I'm a cook at a bar in Fort Collins, Colorado. The coworker who trained me is originally from the Northeast Coast, and he always called ranch 
Colorado ketchup. Oh. Have never lived outside Colorado. I hadn't realized that our use of ranch was, to put it lightly, liberal. We don't only dip our chicken fingers, wings, and veggies in ranch. Oh, no. We dip our pizza, our breadsticks, our sausages, hamburgers, potato chips, and more, including, of course, our Rocky Mountain oysters, winky face. There has even been tell in the service industry of Red Robin customers drinking ranch by the ramekin fall. Is it like this everywhere? Apparently not. Annie, you said it's hard for you to imagine ranch on every table. Girl, come to Colorado. And, by the way, ranch is already here for your fries. I'm so disturbed right now. <laughs> I feel unsettled and untethered in this world, I thought. Oh, no. Uh, oh, I wish y'all could see Annie's face right now. She is so completely horrified. Oh, my gosh. Oh, For any listeners who don't know... <laughs> Me and Ben, in our episode on ranch, we detest it. Like, I have five foods I don't like, and ranch is up there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, 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 the, it's the mayo relation, right? You don't like, like, the... <laughs> oh, yes, it's exactly that. Oh, man. Oh. My stomach. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really want to go to Colorado, but I'm going to have to... I'm, I'm glad I'm alerted to this, Then it wasn't a surprise. Yeah, there you go. You know it's mean? better to know. It's better to know, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I can only imagine my horror when I realized what everyone was dipping stuff in. The rumors are true. It's all true. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is a part of me that is delighted by this. Um, your liberal use of ranch. I can appreciate it. <laughs> From a distance, from over yes. from over here. <laughs> yes, an extreme distance. But I don't know. There's a part of me that I, my heart is both sickened and warmed. It's a very confusing <laughs> sensation I'm feeling right now. Uh, um, well. Okay, well, here's one. I'm not sure if it's going to be better, but, but this this one's about margarine. Okay. Uh, Miss MJB wrote in on Instagram with an image of an ad from the September 16th, 1946 edition of Life magazine. And this ad was placed by the National Association of Margarine Manufacturers. And, and the ad is just this, this solid golden yellow page with a huge numeral seven on it. And the text next to the numeral seven reads... Um, Modern margarine is one of the basic seven foods our government recommends we eat every day for good nutrition. And then in larger text at the bottom, it says, Modern margarine is a highly digestible energy food and a dependable source of vitamin A. Here is nutritious eating within the reach of all. Its fine flavor says, spread it gladly. Its low cost says, spread it freely. Try its honest goodness on bread, rolls, waffles, or baked potatoes. Old timey ads, you gotta love them. The wording, yeah, <laughs> spread, spread it, it gladly. gladly. <laughs> <laughs> spread it freely. Ooh, um, that's it's eye catching too. Uh, you know, yeah. If I just saw like a huge golden page with like big Roman numeral seven or huge numeral seven. I think. 
I would feel like it was some kind of end times claim. But maybe that says more about my state of mind than, than it does about anything else. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I At first glance, I had a very like, what is this selling me and why kind of feeling about it. But I, but I feel that way about the ads from that era were very aggressive. They were. Um, visually speaking. Um, but, uh, okay. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop, uh, torturing you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I'm a little nervous because partially I, hydrogenated <laughs> oil-based products. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Let's move on uh-huh. to Easter because we do have some, some more of those wonderful Eastern egg rolling yes. <laughs> letters. They're so good. Oh, you listeners did not let us down when it came to that. Mm-mm. Hannah wrote, I just listened to your Easter egg episode and it made me very nostalgic for the Easter egg escapades of yore. Growing up, Easter was a very egg-centric holiday. It started with boiling and dyeing eggs, then hiding and finding said eggs, and then finally making and eating deviled eggs out of those same eggs. My mom was infamous for overboiling her hard-boiled eggs marked by that infamous grayish ring around the yolk. However, one year there was a massive thunderstorm on Easter. We grew up in Florida, so that's not uncommon. And the power went out just as mom was bringing the water to boil. The burner of the stove turned off and mom decided to just leave the eggs in the hot water for a bit before chilling and peeling the eggs. The eggs were so good. Ever since then, we've used the bring to a boil, turn off the heat and let them sit method of making boiled eggs. While mom was in charge of making the eggs, dad was in charge of hiding them. One year, dad took an orange dyed egg and hid it in the orange tree in our backyard. Again, it's Florida, so of course we had an orange tree. To clarify, dad didn't just stick the egg on a branch of the tree or something. The madman actually climbed our orange tree, hollowed out an orange while keeping it attached to the tree, (laughs) and hid an orange egg in it. We didn't find it for several hours. I'm amazed you found it at all. Finally, there were the deviled eggs, which we always called bubble eggs because I had a really bad lisp as a child, and that's what I call them. To this day, bubble eggs made with extra mustard, very little mayo, and a generous sprinkle of paprika, just the way little Hannah liked them, are an Easter tradition for my family. Even this year, all of my family video called, and we all separately made bubble eggs. Even when apart, we can still keep up the tradition. Oh, bubble eggs. (laughs) And that orange. Oh, my gosh. That is impressive. That is is next level. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh man, I, I miss uh, I miss the citrus trees and the frequent thunderstorms of South Florida. This this is actually one of my most soothing noises that's happening in the background right right now. Me too. Me too. Aww. I love a good storm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Gabby wrote, "I'm so excited to finally have the opportunity to write in about something on the topic of Easter egg hunting." Two years ago, my boyfriend and I planned to partake in two Easter egg hunts for adults. We are 24 and 25 years old. The first was a park-wide hunt for plastic eggs with vouchers to redeem at local bars. We drove the 15 minutes to the park and arrived promptly at 7 a.m., the advertised start time, and wandered the park for half an hour. One gentleman saw us looking under a bush and asked if we were also looking for Easter eggs. He said he couldn't find any either, and we determined a group of immoral folk—can I call them— bad eggs, must have arrived much earlier and swiped them all. 
The second egg hunt was at a local bar called the Sugar Maple. We thought we'd have a pretty good chance of finding something, considering the bar was made up of one large room with minimal places to hide things. We arrived only a few minutes late, ordered beer, and waited until an announcement was made. There were a handful of patrons at the bar, chatting with each other and and not at all looking like they were about to wrestle someone over a plastic egg. This was good. After about 10 minutes, I asked a bartender if the egg hunt had begun, and she replied that it had already happened and the eggs were found. So we sat back down and played Cards Against Humanity instead. (laughs) Two foiled egg hunts. Right. Oh, Oh, and both sounds like so much fun. I know. This did make me question. One time I found an Easter egg containing a prize in it on the belt line, and I picked it up and took it. And now I'm wondering if there was some Easter egg hunt going on, and I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) I was like, ooh, egg. (laughs) Uh, But knowing the belt line, that could have been from, you know, any time. That could have been from months prior. It could have been. It could have been. What was was inside? Um, Tickets to baseball game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And uh, they they were for upcoming games, so I don't know. I Oh. I don't know. Maybe I was a bad egg myself that day. No. Oh. Or maybe not. I That was a long time ago, so I'm going to not feel too bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> We do have some more asparagus emails. Again, mm-hmm. I love how many people wrote in about asparagus. Yes. But it's also about English muffins and some product confusion when it comes to breads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cecilia wrote, I'm American but have traveled to Europe a lot, including living in France in 1965-66 and in England in 1983-84. Especially in the 60s, but also in the 80s, things in Europe were very different from similar types of things in the U.S. This was especially true of baked goods. You couldn't find an American muffin brownie or cookie in England or France in those days. The English had crumpets and muffins. The two are similar. Both are served toasted with butter. The muffin in England is like an English muffin in America. They just don't call it English. So the muffin man (laughs) would certainly have been selling English muffins for tea, not the American kind. In more recent years, maybe since 2000, I've been surprised and disappointed to find they now sell American-style muffins, cookies, and even brownies in England. Although I haven't seen them called that, I feel quite sure that if they call something an American muffin in England, it must be like an American muffin. (laughs) That would distinguish it from their regular muffins. Thomas's English muffins in America are very similar to muffins in England, so there would be no need to call them American. But I could be wrong. <laughs> asparagus. <laughs> I hope you get to Germany in June at some year to taste the white asparagus, but don't be surprised if you are disappointed. I find it bland compared to our green asparagus. We went to Germany in June 2002. We landed right in the middle of asparagus season. At the first restaurant we went for dinner, they asked if we wanted to see the asparagus menu. Well, of course. I mean, I've never heard of such a thing, but yeah, let's see it. Every (laughs) item on that menu had asparagus in it. So we had asparagus appetizers and asparagus main courses. I don't think there was an asparagus dessert, but I'm not sure. I was disappointed in the bland white asparagus. The next night, it was the same thing and the next. Every restaurant had an asparagus menu. We stopped asking to see it. So, when this travel ban is over, you must go to Europe and sample the asparagus and let us all know what you think of it. (laughs) 
and try the muffins, crumpets, scones, and biscuits. But give the American muffins, cookies, and brownies a pass. You can get those here. Oh, I love all that so much. I love that I'm still, like, I feel like I have a clear picture. But the just saying it out loud is confusing of the different, the breads and what we call them. and Oh, my goodness. And, you know, we've heard the praises of the white asparagus so much. This is an interesting counterpoint. Yeah. And we're still determined to try it. I love asparagus menu. I'm so into that. Right? Any kind of like, like, hey, there's this local produce that's fresh right now. Would you like to see an entire menu of stuff with that? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Give it to me. Thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. But I guess the only way to settle it is, again, we must go. We must go. We have to go. Uh. Well, we, uh, we also must pause here for a quick break for a word from our sponsor, but we will be back shortly after that. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Uh, And we are back with some sauerkraut-related listener mail. Yes. 
Dave wrote, I live in Stuttgart, Germany, and years ago, my wife and I went to a very informative outdoor museum about life in the muddy, flat coastal plain of northwestern Germany back in the day. It's hard to believe how poor people were there. For instance, lots of people lived in semi-subterranean sod houses in a region that's known for its cold, wet weather and not infrequent flooding. And I'm talking like well into the 20th century here. Mealtimes in houses like this consisted of the members of the family crowding around the single pot of whatever, and everyone eating using each person's one utensil, a monogrammed wooden spoon. The sad part, if that wasn't sad enough for you, was that when a kid died, the next kid born would be given a name starting with the same letter so that they could inherit the spoon from their predecessor. <sighs> to this day, a common German euphemism for dying is to give up the spoon. And then he wrote the German phrase and said, if you're feeling brave, and I'm not feeling brave, so I'm not going to try it <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, the sauerkraut tie-in is that a lot of these people left their wretched lives in northern Germany and moved to North America. These people were poor, in case I hadn't made that clear yet, and often the most valuable possession they brought with them was something very rare in northern Germany, a large flat rock useful for weighing down cabbage in a barrel. Imagine their amazement and or disappointment when they got to New England or Canada or any other places where you're lucky to find anything other than rocks. On another note, you mentioned in your Girl Scout cookie episode that you weren't sure where the name Dosi Dose came from. I have a theory. These are oat cookies, and there is an old song called Marzy Dotes that goes Marzy Dotes and Dozy Dotes and Little Lamsy Divey. A kidly divey too, wouldn't you? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, the Dozy Dotes, or does, as in a female deer, Eat oats. A bit sounds a lot like dosy does. Oat cookie, does eat oats, dozy dotes, dosy does. Eh, uh, it's it's watertight. That theory is <laughs> better than anything I had. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm on board. I I I think so. Yes. Oh, I I just I just really butchered that um that rhythm schematic but but uh but I'm into it. Yeah, that that is the best um the best theory I have heard and I'm willing to stick with it until a better hypothesis is offered. Well, there you go. That's <laughs> a very big vote of confidence, very <laughs> the safer stamp until something more watertight comes along. Yeah. There's something about the phrase uh, dozy dotes and little lambsy divey passing your lips that just makes it seem, yeah, sure. That, yeah, that's a, that's, that must be what that is. It's true. It's true. I, I think I'm going to have that stuck in my head and it's going to be like, again, I watch too many horror movies, but I can just see like in the middle of the night, oh. I hear a whisper like, little lambsy divey. What? <laughs> Oh, so, and I'm creeped out by, yeah, and I'm creeped out by deer. So this is a double whammy. Great. Oh, oh, oh. oh <laughs> we have a very specific set of uh, fears, so never feel bad for uh, setting one oh. of them off. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> no way to predict. Nope. Um, we do have a couple of uh, in our broad category of random uh, messages. John wrote. 
Hi, Lord and Annie. This is this German-American Western Pennsylvania boy was delighted to hear you mention the New Year's pork and sauerkraut tradition, which my family has practiced for generations with homemade sauerkraut, of course. Even more amusing was the listener mail shout out to Altoona, where I spent the first two years of my college career. On the peanut butter mole question, I make mole poblano from scratch, and most recipes call for almond butter and or tahini. Those things used to be pretty hard to find in American grocery stores. So maybe the writer's ancestors substituted peanut butter. Peanut butter is often a substitute ingredient for sesame paste in Szechuan recipes such as Don Don noodles. Oh. Again, another theory that I'm on board with. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Adam wrote, on the subject of national food holidays, I created an app that will help you track the foods you love on their celebrated days. Swipe through the calendar to find out what's going on this week. Uh, Search for a day like National Burrito Day, which is April 5th, or find out what's happening on your birthday. Take a photo and share it with a community of like-minded foodie fans on social media. Look for the hashtag on Facebook and Instagram, National Food Holidays app. Well, now I'm curious what my birthday is. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I feel like this could be very risky for someone like me who's anytime I have an excuse to eat something, <laughs> I will. So my menu yeah. would probably be all over the place. But it would be a fun adventure. It would be. Somebody should try to live a year that way. And see oh, gosh. Goes. Oh, my gosh. There'd be multiple options every day, though. So if you were like, well, I don't want this thing. There should be a couple of other things that you can Hypothetically, choose. yes. Hypothetically. Hmm. Well, if anyone tries it, let us know. Uh, and then we have some a fruit salad note from Salvador. I started listening to the Ambrosia salad episode, and that is a dish name I had never heard before. But as the description started, it became clear that you were describing something very familiar to me. The creamy dessert, not the fruity soup. Sorry, Annie. <laughs> I am from northern Mexico, and in my family, Christmas dinner will always have turkey and or pork leg, spaghetti, mashed potatoes, gravy, and ensalada de manzana. Also a pie or two, but those are just the cherry on top. The ensalada is made with diced apples, celery, whipping cream, not necessarily whipped, with sugar, pecans, and marshmallows. Sometimes canned peaches or pineapples are also included. You end up with a creamy, sweet base with crunchy pecans and apples and the occasional acidity of the apples and pineapples. It has become so popular that my sister, who has become the official ensalada de manzana maker, has been increasing the amount she makes each year, but there is never any leftover ensalada the next day. Hmm. In my wife's family, they make a similar dish, but their version has mainly canned peaches and pineapple and shredded carrots for the crunch. Marshmallows, pecans, and cream are also there. It's delicious, too, but I have come to love the Christmas ensalada de manzana, even making some for myself out of season. It was strange to hear that ambrosia uses citrus as its main ingredient. Maybe that change to apples and peaches in Mexico was due to the warmer climate, making it last less if oranges were used. I don't know if ensalada de manzana is popular throughout Mexico or in other Latin American countries, but it is a staple in my family. Huh. I love that. I, I, would, oh. I would love to hear, because for listeners who've heard that episode, that was one of the funniest ones to me where I left literally still unsure of what it was, <laughs> other than that's like fruit is typically involved. Yeah. <laughs> typically. But not always. Uh, it's sweet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I, it, honestly, it endeared it, it endeared itself to me that 
I could say it and it, it could mean anything to <laughs> any number of people. Yeah. And I, I love hearing what other families have done when they make ambrosia <laughs> or fruit salad. So this sounds amazing to me. I know I, I came out pretty hard swinging against the cream versions. but Right, yeah. I'm willing to try some things and, and <laughs> not be so uh, curmudgeonly about my family okay. recipe. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if, if you just don't call it Ambrosia sat. Like, are you more comfortable trying like a like an ensalada de manzana? If <laughs> I feel like maybe I'm a very prideful person, because that and just I, means apple salad, and so it's you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's labeled as something different. Okay, yeah, I feel I feel more comfortable with that. <laughs> I'm not proud of it because it is my pride, <laughs> but I can admit the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, the, uh, yep, uh, Ashley wrote, although I'm a longtime listener who has spent countless hours listening to you talk about various foods, I've never written in. However, after listening to your recent peach episode, I just had to share. When I think about peaches, two things come to mind. First, peaches remind me of happy family times from my childhood. When I was little, think infancy through early teens, each Sunday my family, parents, sister, aunts, uncles, cousins, the entire bunch, would gather at grandma's house for Sunday lunch, or as we called it, Sunday dinner. The menu would vary from week to week, always involving classic Southern dishes. But during the summer, the dessert to top it all off would usually be a cobbler with fresh fruits, usually blueberries or, my personal favorite, peaches. It's a very simple recipe containing just flour, sugar, milk, butter, and fruit, but the result is nothing short of delicious. The soft, buttery, golden topping above combined with the smooth sweetness of the peach below was satisfying enough, but we like to take it one step further by adding a scoop of vanilla ice cream to the top of each slice. So simple, so decadent, so good. That's the first thing I think about when I hear the word or see a peach. Real peaches, not the emoji. And as you can imagine, it's a pretty good feeling. The second thing I think about is, as Lauren pointed out at the beginning of the episode, peaches and plums, a la The Magician's TV Show. I'm very used to and always delight in your nerdy references, but let me tell you, I did not see that one coming. My favorite podcast mentioning a niche TV show that I just so happened to have very strong feelings about? My mind was a bit blown by the crossover. Recently, I've been listening to your podcast during my daily COVID walks, and this episode was no exception. When Lauren mentioned peaches and plums, I literally stopped walking, my hand flew to my chest in surprise, and I froze for a couple of seconds to get my bearings. Did she just say what I think she said? I wondered to myself in disbelief. This may sound dramatic, and it is. I'll own that. I don't want to give away too many spoilers since Annie hasn't seen it, but anyone who is familiar with the show will understand the maelstrom of emotion that line evokes in fans. You talked about the symbolic meaning of the peach in the episode, but peaches take on an entirely new symbolism in the show that is not, I warn, happy. The remainder of which I say is absolutely worthy of that authentic pearl clutch moment I had while listening. Luckily, I was able to process all these emotions and finish out the episode. <laughs> well, now I'm really intrigued. <laughs> I've been thinking about this since Ashley sent uh, it and uh, coming up with all these scenarios for a show I literally have no idea what it's about. I'm assuming <laughs> magic is involved. Uh, but, yes, I, I mean, must usually, 
Usually magic is involved. Um, and I, and I think, I think I said this to you off air, but, um, but, but a- a- Annie, um, is a supernatural fan. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, Supernatural and the magicians uh, share one of their executive producers in common, uh, Sarah Gamble, who um, also wrote a number of episodes in Supernatural. I, I know this because I'm going through that series um, right now. And uh, and as I'm going through Supernatural, I'm there's so many um, actors and uh, and just little tidbits of sim- similarity between these two shows and dude you're gonna love it um, okay i i think you're really gonna nerd out about just all the weird little connections so Ooh. you have to watch it okay i uh, no, i'm into <laughs> it i have spent way too much an embarrassing amount of time trying to be like oh, what could it be peaches and plums <laughs> is it actual peaches and plums does it mean something else in that world i have been thinking about it so <laughs> And I'm very, very happy that I love when our random nerd references really connects with with listeners. Even if it's just one listener, (laughs) I love it because yes, we we're clearly nerds, and it's yep uh, (laughs) nice to know that at least someone is like appreciating our very obscure references. At times. Yes, that n- not everyone is just going, what are they talking about? Why aren't they talking about food? Yes. <laughs> it's usually food related, not always. It is. But usually. <laughs> On that dramatic note, we yes. do have some more for you. But first, mm-hmm. we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with some cheese note. (laughs) Some cheese note. So my grammar is so great and well today. Um, (laughs) I did. So this one's specifically about Roquefort. And I did get to try it uh, after we did the episode. And I I loved it. I really loved it. Oh, yay. Great texture. Very salty. Big fan. Oh, I'm glad. Yes. I probably will get some more. I'm, I'm making my epic venture my once a three week venture out to the grocery store tomorrow, and I might get some more. <laughs> Joe wrote, I'm a longtime listener of yours and just finished your episode on Roquefort. It took me back to when I studied abroad in Avignon in the south of France during the summer of my sophomore year in college. My host family was so warm and delightful and eager to share everything about French language and culture, especially the food, since host families were required to feed us breakfast and dinner. I experienced so many firsts with my host family. From the beauty of a homemade vinaigrette to homemade apple eau de vie, moonshine basically, uh, to lamb steaks, best eaten with good grainy mustard. I'll never forget having foie gras for the first time and my host mother's sharp intake of breath and look of horror as I smeared it on my bread like it was a pate. Lesson learned. Keep it in slices. When it came to cheese, <laughs> we agreed to start mild and start going up the scale. When we finally got to Roquefort, my host mother instructed me to butter my baguette and then place a thin layer of the cheese on top of it. They watched with anticipation as I ate it and laughed uproariously when I managed to choke out Citre Four. It's very strong. Alas, I am more of a brie, camembert, stinky, soft-rind, cheese kind of a girl, but it's definitely a moment I cherish. So thank you for taking me down memory lane. Oh, that's delightful. It is. All of that sounds delicious. Um, Yes. yes. Also, oh no, I definitely spread my foie gras like a pate. Are you not, you're not supposed to, oh no. You heathen. (laughs) Crap. I think I will let it slide for now, Lauren. (laughs) I've learned my lesson. I'll try mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. I'll try to do better for all the foie gras that I'm eating right now, for yes. sure. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Christian wrote, Greetings from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I have been a longtime listener, and boy, howdy, was I excited when you both started talking about Edmonton in your latest podcast. Green onion cakes are indeed ubiquitous up here and come in many shapes and sizes, from a deep-fried donut style that are puffy, flaky, and served with a sweet Thai chili sauce, to a more flatbread pan-fried style served with black vinegar and Asian chili sauce. All are delicious. I actually was part of a one-time cooking class with Mr. Souteau where he taught us most of his secrets. He's very charismatic and incredibly passionate about green onion cakes, which is what I believe has even led him to come out of retirement to open up his newest venture, Green Onion Cake Man, where you can forgo the making and go straight to the eating. 
Happy Garden was our go-to Chinese restaurant until they closed for retirement, so when I found out he was the owner, I spent a majority of the class trying to tease his Szechuan beef recipe out of him, also known around these parts as ginger beef. It was, in my opinion, the best in Edmonton, and dare I say, even as good as the Silver Inn restaurant in Calgary, a three-hour drive south of us, uh, the very place that invented ginger beef. I have also been there, and it's hecking delicious. But I digress, and as Alton Brown says, that's another show. And then there's a wink-wink to tell us that that should be another show. (laughs) I, oh yes, I am so curious now about the origin of ginger beef. I am so easy to sell on these things. Both Lauren and I are. You don't have to try too oh, yeah. hard. You can No, you're just like, this could be interesting, and we're like, cool. <laughs> I I I'm gonna try to prevent myself from looking this up right now. <laughs> Cause I'm yeah. just curious. Also, <laughs> it all sounds delicious. I love green yes. onion cake, man. That's wonderful. Also a donut style green onion cake? What Yes. I, yes. Oh, I was, I've been, I've like done been craving donuts the past couple weeks and mm-hmm. heck. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, a look of intense longing on Lauren's yeah. face right now. <laughs> I'm just going to have, I'm going to have to make it work. It's all, I'll totally, I'll totally make it work. Yes. Yes. I mean, you could try your hand at making them. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately shut down. No, I understand. <laughs> we don't have the best of luck. With that, well, I I'm too intimidated by frying, and yeah. my kitchen isn't really up to safety standards. So, <laughs> fair, fair enough. It's not what you need right now. <laughs> nope, nope. Too too much. Too much. Yes, yes. <laughs> Banana bread, sure. Deep fried things, no. You've, everyone's got to have their line. You got to have your code. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Thunderchild wrote in on Instagram with images of the cover and table of contents of a cookbook, Watkins Salad Book, which is apparently a book that the J.R. Watkins company produced as marketing material back in the 40s when they sold their line of foodstuff and personal care products door to door. The table of contents reads thusly, green salads, salad bowls, fruit salads, molded or gelatin salads, frozen salads, vegetable salads, meat salads, chicken salads, fish salads, cheese salads, egg salads, salad buffet, French dressing, mayonnaise salad dressing, (laughs) cooked salad dressing, miscellaneous salad dressings, sandwiches, canapes, appetizers, hors d'oeuvres, beverages, and American and French desserts. Ooh, that's a lot of salads. As Thunderchild (laughs) wrote, if anyone wants recipes for weird salads, check out this book. I mean, again, I'm intrigued. I'm just curious. Right? That's a lot of salads. It's a lot of salads. It's also a lot of not salads for a salad book. That's Um, true. That is true. And some of the categories are just really, I think, I think what got me was the dressing categories Mm -hmm. because those are three separate categories, French dressing, mayonnaise salad dressing, cooked salad dressing, and then miscellaneous salad dressings. (laughs) And I, I'm just so, I, my, my interest is peaked. Mine is as well. Mine is as well. I'm kind of intrigued by the cheese salads, of course. Yeah. I'm picturing that that's like a pimento cheese kind of, kind of situation. Oh, like a, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, Thunderchild, I mean, if you, if you've got a favorite, send it our way. (laughs) 
Oh, um, Courtney wrote, I was so excited to see the Julia Child episode pop up in my feed. When Lauren said she had watched Julie and Julia, I actually said out loud, me too, like you could hear me. And I completely agree that the Julie character was hard to watch. She was the antithesis of Julia. Anyway, I pulled out my copy of Julia and Jack Cooking at Home that I had found at a book resale shop years ago, but never actually cooked anything from, and started thumbing through it. I'm proud to say that this morning I poached eggs for the first time. A small accomplishment, but I'm looking forward to trying more recipes from it. Thanks for the inspiration. Oh, congrats. (laughs) Yes. Oh, no, poached eggs are hard. Definitely congratulations. Yes. I've never managed to pull it off. Not in a way I was proud of it, at least. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've never gotten it right. Yes, yes. So good on you. Keep us posted. Any updates? Again, any mm-hmm. recipes we should try? <laughs> yeah. And then lastly, we have a small, a short message from number one saver fan, Erin, as she calls herself. Who she? We've mentioned it before. She created an excellent bingo card with options such as traumatic food memory, uh, <laughs> obscure movie reference, D and D, and Annie ate that thing in another country. Um, I hope to share them one day. We could all play it. These are for saver episodes. Uh, gave us a good laugh. Um, <laughs> but she wrote mm-hmm. in and shared that the name of her sourdough is Homer Simpson because it makes a lot of dough. That is. <laughs> Excellent, Aaron. <laughs> that is so good. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> and thanks to everyone who has written in. We really yes. do. We really, really do love hearing from you. Please mm-hmm. keep all of those messages coming. You can email us at hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! If you are happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 